he's good. Hey, he is, he is so good. And he is so present. And, um, you know, the, the presence of the Lord is the source of my life. And honestly, I, um, his presence is my joy. His presence is my peace. Um, the, if, if I'm not aware of him, if, I, if I'm not waking up aware of him, it's not a good day. It's not a good day. Um, and there are days where I have to position myself, um, uh, d- d- not even to do anything, but just to sit, just to sit and let him remind me that he is with me. And then... I come into this place where I feel everything is possible. Anything is possible. And it's just this place with him where I know everything I I need is provided for today and forever. Um, so I just want to start by reading something uh, that, that um, Spurgeon said. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And then that you may know the love of Christ, which is interesting because it starts with that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Then you may know the love of Christ. For him to come and dwell with his people, we have to prepare a place for him to come. And as he comes and he sits with us and he, and he makes home with us, then we start to know him, right? Because he's here. And it says, Jesus, um, that you may know the love of Christ. And is this not the best way of knowing it? Jesus resides in your heart, which is the center of your love. The heart is the, the seats, the, the seat of your uh, emotions, of your will, your thoughts, right? It's the, it's the place that you love from. So if he comes and he dwells in the, in the seats of our hearts, uh, this is where uh, we come to know his love. And he goes on and he says, he teaches you to love him. And as you learn the sweet lesson, you begin to know how Jesus loves you. You come to know him by personal acquaintance, by having Christ dwelling in you so that you see him, you hear him, you feel his touch, and you enjoy his blessed company. This kind of knowledge is the most precious knowledge. Whatever the subject may be, you see the method of this knowledge, the way in which it comes to us, it is sure and it is efficient. So, good morning, family. It's always a privilege, yet a daunting uh, task to share, uh, but it's a privilege to share uh, who he is and how he is making himself known to me. Uh, but on equal um, level, uh, to, to share about what I'm seeing him do in us as a body. Um, and it's as exciting on equal level. And, um, you know, I'm seeing this body be strengthened and spiritually energized with the power of his spirit in our hearts and in our deepest parts. And I'm seeing how this yearning we have for him is starting to prepare our hearts in such a way um, that we are becoming so hospitable to the presence of the Lord that he can come and make himself a home amongst his people, in his people. And uh, I pray that we would continue to become a people that are inviting him every day um, and that we would literally become the house of the Lord, literally become the house of the Lord where he resides, where he takes residence and where he is present. I pray that as his people, we would continually to daily recognize him and his precious presence, that this presence of the most ultimate love that grounds us and establishes us, deeply rooted, that gives us uh, security and safety and is also inescapable but all-consuming, and it lifts us to glory. We are after the fullness of God today.
and tomorrow and forever. So if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) By faith, it says Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he had obtained the witness that before he was taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Enoch pleased the Lord because of his faith. And it also says that he walked with the Lord. And last week, Sandra described something that was so profound that as she spoke these words, it was literally like the breath of God was upon her words that my heart skipped a beat. And and this is what she said. She said, talking about the, the message she was bringing, she said, it's like a camera that takes a wide angle picture and it starts focusing in on Christ in a telescopic mode right wide ankle going in into a telescopic mode the picture is going to take us to Christ into Christ the working of him as he reveals himself to us in us and forms himself in us and at this stage when I heard this I was like mm, mm. That's my thing at the moment. When I hear something, I'm like, mm, that's good. Like, oh, that's full on, you know? And then she goes on. She said, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. He reveals himself to us, in us, forms himself in us, the inner workings of Christ. And then he says it goes on. She go, it goes on. It, goes, it doesn't end there as it goes through. And the vision ends at his throne before him as we are his precious beautiful bride being presented in Christ in all her glory, which is the fullness of him. Being perfect, when he says, be perfect as I am perfect, it is the fullness of him. It's the the full mature state of Christ that he's saying we can have. The fullness of God living in us. Can you imagine if each person went on the pursuit of the fullness of God in this lifetime and we gather together as a people like on a Sunday? What, what would that look like? The word perfect, right, means complete in all its parts, full grown or full age, especially of the completeness of Christian character. Christian character, Christ, Okay. And it says the word teleos, right, which comes from telescope. Interesting. (laughs) It means reaching the end, reaching the aim. And it's well illustrated in the old pirate's telescope, which unfolds or extends, extends out. Is that making sense? It extends out. And as it does that, it's the extension is a, another stage of his fullness. So what Sanja, I don't even think she realized this, but she won't be surprised that this is coming together. But the telescopic view, it takes us, we meet Christ. We learn by faith that he exists. He is present. He is here. But in a telescopic mode, that faith now extends itself to not only am I provider, but you can partake of me. Do you have the faith not to believe that I exist only, but I am a rewarder of those who seek me? Faith believes now and into and beyond. It is a now substance as much as it's a future thing. It says faith pleases God, and what pleases him is that we believe he is, that he exists, that he is present. But it doesn't stop here, as Sandra said. The vision continues, and so does this. Faith doesn't stop at believing he exists, but by daily walking with him, experiencing the provision of his presence, we become partakers of the divine nature and the divine life. I don't know, is that good news? 
the divine nature of Christ, we can partake of that and the divine life that he lived on the earth. We can partake of that by faith. His divine life now, because it's a promise. It's a promise that he rewards those who seek him. Why? Because this proves our faith. You see, it proves our faith. And after Jesus fed the 5,000, he shares with the people, including his disciples in John 6, and he uses the word, I am, I am, I am, three times. And um, he says, you know, I am the bread of life. And as we heard last week, the, the, the things that God did, that Christ did, the miracles, the works, it was to reveal himself as the source of life, the bread, the living water, right? Um, and it was to help others recognize that he is the Christ. He is who he says he is. And that he was the real, he is the heavenly bread, which is the true life-sustaining power. But listen, in that verse, he takes it further. And this has been my week. It's like reading, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Read more, I'm like, oh, I can't handle it. Read more, it's like, this is, this is crazy. This is what we're invited to. But he says, um, he takes it further. He says, he reveals he exists, he is present. And then he goes to say, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of it, they will live forever. And the bread I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Most assuredly, I say, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. See, this is where the wide angle becomes telescopic, right? And where it goes from faith that I exist to a faith that I will reward you if you seek me. To where we go from Christ revealing himself to us to in us. From beyond the essential recognition that he's the bread of life. As the provider to an invitation to come partake of me. To go into Christ to the end, reaching its aim that we would come into the fullness of who he is on the earth. Ultimately, to believe in him defined means to believe he exists to the unfolding of that old pirate telescope to the next stage is extending, um, is extending out into Christ is to partake of him. So believing him is not that he just exists, but it's now partaking of him because as we partake of him, we partake of his divine nature and what happens we enjoy the benefits of his life it's crazy it's to believe or to recognize uh, him external from us partaking of him through covenants and then from scripture to author uh, from provision to provider that uh, this faith hears more than just the words but it actually starts depending its whole life on the person trusting the person and you can imagine the listeners of the day when he says you know eat of my flesh drink of my blood like okay this guy is not here to hand out some bread he's not here to sell some cucumbers he's actually there's something he is asking us to partake of okay and it's it's the partaking is to participate, to, our, to involve ourselves in him, to share with him his life of great reward. Partaking in the covenant blood of Christ is the means of being joined to God and the benefits of his life. He is the covenant sacrifice and is God's provision for our sustenance. When we feed on him through faith, we become partakers of the divine nature, which is eternal life and a question was asked in the scriptures good teacher what is eternal life what is eternal life and how do I earn it I kept the commandments what do I lack and Jesus said this what you lack is go and sell all your possessions and you will have treasure in heaven and he says come follow me 
But at these words, this person, the rich young ruler, was saddened. And he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. You see, this is eternal life, that they know me. Eternal life is to know him. And, you know, the rich young ruler was standing in front of him, standing in front of Christ, asking eternal life, how do I get eternal life? And he says, come follow me. He goes, no, I can't. Right? It's faith. It is faith that eternal life is present. Do we recognize it? And today I pray we recognize and realize eternal life is presence today. Present today. And faith is not just a future hope, but it's a present active substance. And it sees now, into, and beyond. And it does not only love the existence of the sovereignty Lord, the sovereignty of the Lord, but it seeks the depth, the height, the width, the length of love, of its love. And it walks daily in its presence by his provision into perfection, reaching the, the aim, right? That, that wide angle going telescopic as he reveals himself to us, he wants to reveal himself in us. And so eternal life, right, is not just this endless life, but it's a quality of life that we can have today. And Enoch had faith, right? And he walked with the Lord. The rich young ruler did not, and he walked away. After Jesus declared that he is the living bread, and the bread is his flesh in John 6, some of his disciples who were there said, this is too hard, and they walked away. Today, the bread of life is present. Today, he is amongst us, and he is present. And may we share in the mystery of this relationship with Christ. Because it is a mystery. And for me personally, I would gladly live in the uncertainty, the midst of the uncertainty in Christ, than live without him. I rather venture out into the unknown with him, trusting that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, than live a life of certainty, that I think certainty, without him. And I'm experiencing this more and more regularly, that today, he, the, the I am is present. And in his presence is all provision for us to partake of his life today and forevermore. And, you know, the other day, and I'm, I'm just going to share a, 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 some testimony of, of how I'm seeing this um, how partaking of his divine life and what this is looking like for me personally. And, you know, the other day I was putting down some thoughts for a furnace when I was uh, sharing um, one Sunday night and I was writing ferociously and um, as he revealed himself to me to be. And um, the, the one thing I could only describe is this place with him where I, I go from and I, I leave and I come from him. And I was a bit like, oh, do I put that down? Because I actually, I don't have any scriptural basis. And so is it worth saying? And, and I felt, you know, that I was being asked to share what I know, just what I know. And so I put that down. Two weeks later, I think it was Greg, was preaching, and he used the scripture John 10. And um, was it John 10? John 10, which is, I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. And they will come in, and they will go out. I was like, woohoo, almost fell off my chair. I was like, thank you, Lord. Like, there it is, you know. Um, and not after that, I started thinking about this crazy encounter I had with God um, about, I think it was about three or four years ago now. I, I can't even remember. Now, I have shared this story before, so some of you might have heard it and some of you might not have, but, but there's a, another chapter to it, so I'm going to share it. Um, a few years ago, I was in the supermarket and I was pushing my trolley. Okay, who's heard this? Just so... Okay, only a handful. Right, pushing my trolley. Oh, no one knows what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyway, I was pushing my trolley, and, and I was just praying and, and just speaking to the Lord. And um, I got down to this one aisle, and his presence literally 
came upon me and clothed me. And I have never experienced such unity with the Lord. It is hard to even describe. And um, I was like, oh, okay, what's, you know, what's this? What's this? And, and my heart, my eyes saw in the physical, my heart beelined for this one person down the aisle. Now, my eyes aren't very good far distance, but I saw her and I knew. And the Lord said, I want you to go love on her. I just want you to make your way and I'm sending you. There is a big difference between being sense and doing what we feel like, right? Because in the sending, we are equipped, fully equipped. And I, I went up to her. <clears throat> now, look, I'm not going to lie. I had moments of flesh where I was like, <laughs> I need provision. Okay, um, just talk to her. Ask her about the specials on toilet paper. <laughs> Because she was stacking the toilet paper. You know, this, this is the glory of my flesh. Okay, so, um, and I'm like hanging around her, like getting a little bit awkward probably. And I had sunflowers in my hand that day because I was, uh, I had a friend who was down and I, I, you know, the sunflowers just, they're beautiful. And um, I did ask her what were the specials. And <laughs> thank the Lord, he sanctified the conversation and we got there. And, uh, and, um, she started talking to me about sunflowers. She goes, oh, I love sunflowers. And I, you know, I have a garden of them and this is what I do. And my kids come over and I love giving them the sunflowers. And I was like, oh, that's really awesome. And and it just got, there was just a point where I looked at her because see she, she was unwell, unwell. And I just said, look, is there anything I can pray for for you today? And uh, her, her eyes welled up, and she looked at me, and she said, every time, <laughs> give me a moment. Um, she said, can you pray that I lived 65? I said, I'll pray. <laughs> and I laid hands and just prayed and just loved on her. And I just felt his presence so so tangible, so thick, just but not even out here in me. It was like I could see her as he saw her, and I could just minister so freely wherever we were. Toilet owl, no owl, didn't matter. I knew I was in the right place with him. And that was it. I walked away, and the joy of the Lord, it was that day I realized the kingdom of God is a righteousness peace and joy it is an internal kingdom that is set up in us as the increase of christ is in us we the the nature of this kingdom is to feel the peace the joy and the righteousness being in right relationship where you are in complete unity with the lord where he is covering you and you are loving being under him the anointing May I live in that forever. And we are all going to be with him in that forever one day. But I'm going after it today. And I am, I, that is my life's purpose is to, to pursue the fullness of God today. So about a month ago, we, um, we had a little neighbor's barbecue that we organized uh, at the bottom of Mount Kaukau. And I'm, I'm sitting on the little blanket and, this lady comes, and we, we invited all uh, the whole street, really, didn't we? And uh, so we didn't know who was coming. We were just going to set up the barbecue and, and just, you know, chat, whoever came. This lady comes, and she sits next to me. She starts talking to me about her sunflowers. seen her in three years every time I got a countdown I look out for her I can't see her I didn't know what happened but she was well and as she was talking to me I said do you work a countdown did you work a countdown because I thought she might have left or something else happened she's like I'm still there <laughs> I'm like really because I'm at countdown like every second day and um and and I 
I said, do you remember me? We, we prayed. And she goes, I will never forget that. That moment was profound. It was, not, it was something she'd never experienced. That wasn't me. Oh, I know that wasn't me because all I could harp on was the toilet paper. <laughs> it was the spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord that she encountered. And not only did it affect her, but the benefit of his life I was experiencing. And there she was before me. Oh, so good to see her face, to talk to her. How is everything going? How are you? And she is well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Turns out she loves sunflowers. I love sunflowers. They've got a whole new meaning to me. You see, it's his his presence that is our provision to partake of his divine life. It is his presence that is our provision to partake of his divine nature and his divine life. My beautiful brother and his family, who are finally here all together. Um, my brother was in an accident, car accident, uh, last year. And um, again, I have shared the story at Furnace, but um, I just, these are things that have happened in the last six months. And I, you know, this is, this is to me what living the life of Christ, the benefits that I'm experiencing. He was in a, a car accident and uh, his head was cut open and I had this nice tube in his head and uh, the, the pictures were horrendous. And I mean, especially being here and he was in South Africa at the time. And, you know, my, my mum and my dad, parents with a child, it's not easy. It's not easy. And um, I remember having this conversation with my mum. And, of course, she wouldn't be on the next plane over there just to be with him. And just prompted in the spirit, I was like, the, the peace that my brother is in the presence of the Lord, the, the only thing he needs for the sustenance of life and the state he was in was the presence of the Lord. I said to mum, mum, just know that he is in the best hands, the most perfect hands, that, that to fly over is understandable. Any mother would want to do that. But trust that he's in the presence of the Lord. My brother was lying there in the hospital, and it, I'm not going to look at them, <laughs> make me cry. The cleaner came and spoke in his ear and said, the Lord is with you. I, you know, I could have paid someone. Hey, go, go tell him the Lord is with you. No, I could have, I could have gone that way, you know, or I could have, I could have affirmed my mum and like, you need to get there, right? You need to be by his side. But I knew he was in the presence of the Lord, the, the ultimate provision. And I knew that he was going to, through this, invite Malcolm to partake of his life the divine life. And so my prayer started to become that the, res- the that through this, Malcolm would be resurrected in the life of Christ. Not necessarily the physical. I, I wasn't necessarily, that wasn't the focus of my prayer on his, his physical resurrection. It was the, the resurrection of the life of Christ in him would come. And that happened. So... Jesus declares, I am the resurrection life. I am the resurrection life. And in John, we read how Lazarus dies, okay? And Jesus doesn't respond immediately. He doesn't go immediately. It took him days to be with him and with those who were sort of mourning Lazarus' death. And when he arrived at Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And Martha, Lazarus' sister, says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus told her, your brother will rise again, she responded with, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. This is John 11. Now, my first thought was, Martha, he wasn't there when Lazarus died but he's here now. And he's saying that your brother will live. 
but she didn't recognize that the resurrection life was presence. The resurrection life is here, now, presence. Because she goes from pushing him into the past, you weren't here when he died, to pushing him into the future. Oh, when you come, the resurrection life, he will ascend. But Jesus is saying, well, I am the resurrection life. I am here. I am here now. Partake of me. See, these situations we go through, whether it's horrific car accidents, um, celebrations, whatever it is, I'm telling you, the Lord is revealing himself in it as not only your provision, but to invite you to come and partake of his divine life and nature through the situation, through the circumstance. He is what he says he is. He honestly, he, he is the God of integrity. He is what he says he is. He is the I am, not I will be or one day I'll be. I am today. And ladies and gentlemen, resurrection life is on offer today. It is present today. When Jesus encounters the lady at the well, she goes, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Living water is present. Living water is here, now. She didn't recognize him. She said, when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Oh, okay, I've just explained to you, without knowing you, that you've got five husbands. It's a God that sees. Martha and Mary. We know the story. Jesus goes to Martha and Mary's house. Um, and it says that his, uh, Martha's sister, Mary, was seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening uh, to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all her serving responsibilities. And she approached him, she approaches the Lord, and she's like, get my sister to do something around here. Like, get her to help me with some things. Right? And I, I, I get that. Um, my poor brother's just lived with me for six months, and I'm like... Help me do things. He's like, just relax. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. But only one thing is necessary. And what Mary has chosen is a good part, is the better part. And it will not be taken away from her. And I found this quote the other day. And it said, if you are depressed, you're living in the past. If you are anxious, you're living in the future. If you are at peace, you're living in the present. I thought, yes. In the presence of the Lord, in the awareness that he is present now, as I speak, now he is with us. That is peace. And the peace leaves when we become unaware and we start worrying about the future. And, oh, when he does come and when this does happen. And, no, now, at my feet, listen, incline your ear where I'm continually teaching you about who I am today. Um, Last year, my lovely and beautiful Nana uh, passed away. And... um, you know, I look, growing up in South Africa, my nana lived in Australia, and my my parents did an incredible job of um, making a way for us as a family to see uh, my dad's side of the family in Australia as regularly as we could. So it it could be uh, I think almost every two years, if we were lucky, uh, one um, every year. One stage we went and lived in Australia for a good six months, which was very cool but you know in this time I got to know my nana and um, she was just the most beautiful joyous woman and enthusiastic with a big smile and she was just gentle and sweet and lovely and um, we went over to Australia last year when she when she passed away and I was asked to do the the eulogy now I was like I don't I don't have you know, out of everyone that's going to be at the funeral, you know, I'm sort of the granddaughter that wasn't probably a, with her as much as everyone else. So I don't, I don't know much about her physical 
life and what she, what she did every day, you know, things like that. And I sat with the Lord, and he just started speaking to me about her so beautifully. And he, he gave me this, and he said, um, and the crazy thing is, I had been reading Ecclesiastes, like really getting into it the, about the month before that. And it comes up and it says, she seldom reflects on the days of her life because God keeps her occupied with gladness. And her name is Gladys. And I was just like, thank you, Lord, because she was such a busy little bee. Wasn't she, Dad? Busy little bee, always doing things, but in, in the love and the service of others. And um, I could imagine her not sitting, reflecting about her days of trouble. Because, I mean, they, you know, they, they went on a ship and they, were, uh, they, were, they left England for Australia. It was a total change in her life. And, um, you know, she had troubled days, but she didn't sit reflecting on that because she was preoccupied with the joy of the Lord. And it made her glad. And it was so good to, to have that and to realize that Gladys Gibson, that was, that was his heart for her. And I could, I could bring that. Is there life after death? Death sneaks up on us and it brutally confronts our reality. And we have a friend who is on their deathbed and has been asking Kirk and I this question, what is after life? It's a serious question and we, we don't give it much thought until it confronts us. And I, I pray that you know, Kirk and I, by the grace of God, we will be able to have the opportunity to share the good news, the mystery of godliness, which is what? The mystery of godliness is that Jesus Christ, descending from heaven, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated by the Spirit, in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. He made a way down, he descended from his place of glory to dwell with his people that we would partake of his life and ascend into glory. That is the mystery of godliness, to leave his place, to come and dwell with us and to lift us up again. Amazing. And in Genesis 28, 28 we read about Jacob and he has this dream. Does everyone know that story? Yep, Jacob's dream. And he reached a certain place and he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones, he put it under his head and he had a sleep. And in his dream, he sees this ladder and he, or a stairway. And it's placed on the earth and the top of it reaches far above into the heavens. And he sees the angels of God ascending and descending on it, going to and from heaven. And it says, behold, the Lord stood above him and around him. And, you know, we hear in this, this passage of how God reveals himself to Jacob and reaffirms the covenant he made with Abraham, promising J Jacob, who is later Israel, that his offspring will be many and that the promised land will one day belong to his descendants. And so in this vision, Jacob sees this, this ladder or the stairway. And the Hebrew, Hebrew word for that is salem which signifies a connection between God and man, right? So this ladder from earth to heaven. And what's interesting to me about this passage is what old Jacob got up to before we got to this point. Has everyone read that? What, what he did? Not only did he steal his brother's birthright, but then he goes and steals his inheritance. Cheeky. Cheeky. And yet, so he's, he's done nothing to earn that, yet lying asleep, the Lord comes in his midst, stood with him, and affirms the covenant he made with his grandfather. And Jacob says, um, where are we? Oh, sorry. Just to go back. Um, in this instance, we see how God provided the provision of his presence, the means necessary to link himself to man. Right? It was God's provision that linked himself to man. Nothing that Jacob did, clearly, right? And it's, this is very different to what we read in Genesis 11 about Babel, or Babel, sorry, and the men of Babel who tried to reach heaven by their own actions. 
aside from the help of God. And they said to each other, this is the men of Babel, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of a stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So these two different scriptures reveal the issue of salvation. On one hand, we've, we've got this thing where we think we can earn salvation. The rich young ruler, how do I inherit salvation? Or when God was talking about himself as the bread of life, they said, well, what are the, how do we do the works of God? And Jesus said, just believe me. Just believe me. When the rich young ruler asked, how do I inherit eternal life? He said, follow me. So there's actually nothing we can do to earn salvation. If we try build a city that reaches the heavens, he will come, look at it, go, that's nice, scatter it. It's gone. It's only by his provision that we can be increased in him, that we are ascending to him, to the Father. You see, and why, why is it that the Lord came and he saw what these people were doing and he scattered it? It's because he says, I am and I will build my church. And the word seller that that the ladder, the um, the ladder, the stairway, staircase. The word actually means build. Interesting. So he comes down, he descends, and he builds his people up to the heavens, to the fullness, the full stature of God, the increase of the Lord in us. We will come to a full state of maturity, that wide lens coming in into the focus of Christ, not that he reveals himself as the bread of life, but we come into him to partake of his life, that we would reach the end aim of the perfected bride in all her glory, which is the fullness of him. Not by our own actions, we can't do it, but by the provision of the Lord daily as we walk with him. You see, we, the church, are transformed living stones. We are not cut out conformed bricks. These men use bricks instead of stones. It says the church is, we are living stones. He puts us together and he builds us up. You see, and by daily walking with him step by step, as he reveals himself in us, we are being built up by his provision in his presence, ascending to the heavens as he leads us to the Father. And it's not to be tempted into reaching the heavens by our own work, self-efforts, which is pride. The puffing up that actually sets us up in a higher place than what we actually are. The Lord will see this. He will visit us and he will scatter that. He will bring us down. And, you know, it's humility that keeps us grounded to the measure of faith that we are in the actual measure, the actual stature of faith that we are in. Humility keeps us grounded at um, that measure we're in, that stage of maturity that we are in. And we will know through a sober, discerning place as we wait patiently in the hope of the Lord that he will build us, that he will increase that measure, increase that stature in him only by his provision. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, without any doubt, the Lord is in this place. And I did not realize it. So he was afraid and he said, how fearful and awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gateway of heaven. Christ obviously is that ladder. He is the mediator between earth and the heavens. And he came to reconnect us to the, to the Lord. He is the perfect ladder. And he came... Uh, to the earth from the line of Jacob through the provisions of God and he redeemed us for heaven and for eternity. And I pray today that we realize, as Jacob realized, that the Lord is in this place. He is present through his own provision, that is Christ, our mediator. And and he is, by by his presence and his provision alone, we are the gateway to heaven on the earth if we believe it and if we partake of it
in Revelation, it talks about um, the, the sea of glass was mingled with fire, and those who had the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps, they sing the song of the Lamb. And it says, after these things, I looked up, and behold, listen to this, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. What is the tabernacle? It is the dwelling place. It's the, the tabernacle of the testimony is literally the words, the tent of witness. What does that mean? Okay. It's the earthly tent that is inhabited by the divine gospel from heaven, which has testimony of witness to who he is. Right? That is us. In other words, that is us. When it says... Um, he, behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. He's talking about us. So we have to have testimony, right? Because we, if we are partaking of him, we have something to witness about. If we are not partaking of him, we don't have a testimony. And it's not about our story. It's about him, right? And what he's done and what he is doing. See, as his people, we are here to proclaim, to publish, herald what he is doing because this is what becomes evidence to the world and others, that God is with us and in us and displaying himself on the earth. I'm going to come to an end soon, but I just want to finish with two more scriptures. Nathaniel, he hears about Christ through Philip. And Philip's like, come, you've got to see this guy. I think it's the prophet. I think it's the Lord. And he's like, Oh, you know, where's he from? Oh, no, Nazareth. Anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> yeah, anything good come from Johnsonville? I don't know, you know? And um, so he's a bit like, oh, you know, who is this guy? And so as he approaches Jesus, Jesus starts enlightening Nathaniel about his character. And it's at this stage that Nathaniel realizes who is before him. He recognizes that the Lord God is with him. And, and he says to him, how do you know this? And Jesus said, I saw you at the fig tree. Before Philip called you, I saw you. He's like, okay, you are the son of God. Now, this is how personal God is. He, when I had the conversation with my mom, there was a private conversation about, you know, that God is the, the provision, the presence. No one else knew that, but he saw that and he honored that. Okay, Nathaniel, whatever he was doing under the fig tree, it was him and God. But God saw that because he's personal. Okay, so he encounters us in a personal way. And he will present himself helping us to recognize that it's, in, that it's him in our midst. And I pray we won't miss it because it's a daily thing. And not to recognize him through me and through what I'm saying or through others that stand up here and talk recognize him in your own life. The testimony of Christ is within you. You are the tent of witness. And the more we share of who he is amongst us, the greater he increases. And the greater this, the house of the Lord is filled with the Lord. Neither shall they say, see here or see there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. He is within us. So write down every day what he's doing in you, morning and night. Discipline yourself. Spend time with him in the morning. Spend time with him in the evening and reflect purely on the day. Don't go to the past. Don't go to the future. Sit with him because peace will come. May we cling to him for dear life and know that we are full of divine grace and we are filled for all the circumstances of life. We really are. And I am... I am convinced by this everything i've been through up to this point he has provided provided for every every stage look i've got i've got more but i'm not going to go there because i think i think i need to end here i really want to pray with people today and i know time is probably short now but i really i want to pray for those who are hungry who need to know the bread of life is present. Those who are thirsty that need to know the living water is present. Those who are dead that need the resurrected life of Christ. I want to pray with you, not for you, with you. 
because he is presence. And he wants to provide for us that we would partake in his life and it's not a distant thing. Can we be filled with the fullness of God? Does it mean that a whole man can actually be occupied and inhabited in the presence of the Lord? Does it actually mean that? That we can be completely uh, relieved and satisfied by his presence? That our whole nature can be permeated with grace, saturated with love, and satisfied with favor and full of the goodness of the Lord? Can we have that in our lives? Yes, we can. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore. So we're going to sing, and I'm going to be up here, and I please come. Please, please come if you are thirsty, if you are hungry, if you, even if you just need to ask the Lord that to help you recognize him, that he is in your midst, that he is with you. If it is to forgive people, to prepare that heart that he can come and dwell, as Spurgeon said, you know, it's, to invite him, to get to know him is to make room for him. So I will pray with anyone about anything if you feel like the Lord has put that on your heart. So thank you for your time and listening and um, bless you all. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your provision today. I thank you that there is no life outside of you, that eating and partaking of you is the, the greatest thing I've ever come to know, this life in you, this divine life and partaking of your divine nature, I prayed, will only increase in us as your people, that we would make room in our hearts for you to come and dwell, to be with us, Lord, uh, that we would be hospitable and inviting to who you are, Lord. Ah, thank you for your great promises, the reward of seeking you out, Lord, not just to to know you externally of us, to, but to enter through the door into your life, into the fullness of who you are, into the midst of uncertainty, but filled with love, filled with faith, filled with hope, filled with goodness, filled with peace, filled with righteousness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just, I bless you, Lord, this morning. I am so thankful for you, Lord. I have seen you do incredible things even in the last six months and I'm I'm so thankful Lord I love you I love you I love you I love you and I pray we will become a people that love you and love others because we know you we've come to know you thank you Lord